You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 75. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Once again, it is a pleasure to be back and talking with you again for another beautiful week. I hope that you are finishing up your July with purpose and passion and just a enjoyment of the weather and getting outside and doing everything you can to just enjoy any version of normalcy that you can find <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, as I've mentioned before, I think it's going to be super interesting to go back and listen to these shows a year from now when people plug in and listen to the archive, which is just what I call the database on whatever app you're listening to, um, and hear me talking about the pandemic and perhaps even going back to the moment of the end of July and thinking about what they were doing. And perhaps you'll be doing that now if you're listening to this in 2021 and going back and thinking, what was I doing and what was it like and how is life different now? And the beauty of this show is that it grows with me and it grows with you. So people are still finding it and they're starting at episode one and they'll reach out to me and they'll be like, oh, I just got done listening to episode 13 or 17 or 22 and I'll have to go back just to see what was I talking about then and what do they have to look forward to coming up. Um, It's just a beautiful thing. I absolutely love doing this show and I'm so grateful for all of you that listen And I'm just humbled by the messages that you send. And for those of you who've begun attending sober sessions, it's still complimentary. So if it's something that you're into, go over to Instagram, click on my bio link, and you'll be able to find the link to the sober sessions there. You can always go to the Facebook group, which is called From Sobriety to Recovery. Now there's a page and there's a group. So make sure that you're in groups. Uh, Facebook recently did a redesign again listening to this a year from now, it'll be interesting (laughs) if you even notice that there was a redesign, but the groups are actually located up on your top bar. They're super easy to find now. So find the From Sobriety to Recovery, answer a couple questions just so I make sure you're not a bot, and then you can come in and be a part of the conversation. The conversation we're having today is going to be about what do you really want And this is a precursor to what we're going to be talking about on Thursday night during Sober Sessions when Sue Mandel joins me. And I'm so excited to talk about this because I really want to get into the conversation about what is it that you want from your sobriety and recovery. See, what's, I guess, not stemmed me, what motivated me to bring this subject out now is that I'm getting a lot of messages about the sober sessions. I'm getting a lot of people just asking about sobriety and recovery in general. And I'm also doing a substantial amount of market research conversations with uh, different people that I'm reaching out to via Instagram and my community, Facebook group, and that and the like. And I'm asking people some really interesting questions to figure out where there are holes in uh, or where there are some... Yeah, I mean, I guess holes is the best word just for now. Where are there some holes in the sobriety and recovery community um, that perhaps AA or Refuge Recovery or Kaiser Permanente aren't covering, right? And what I'm finding uh, from a lot of people is that um, AA and the sponsor will get you through your steps. Refuge will get you to do your inventory and go over your four truths. 
Um, Kaiser, which is where I go, will you know put you through alcohol awareness classes, um, relapse prevention classes. Um, there's lots of groups there that will just teach a various amount of things. But basically, once they get you through their version of the program, that's it. And you can still be involved. Obviously, those of you who are in AA know that you know there's, that's a lifelong journey, and you can easily be sponsoring other people and, and things of that nature. Same with Refuge. You can still be supporting others and, and being on the call list and, and taking them as a quote-unquote sponsee. But what I'm being told is that you get through and you do your 12 steps or you do your inventory, and that's basically it. And then it's like, well, what about all these other ideas that I have and these other things that I want to create? Where is the guidance for that, right? Like I've gotten through my steps. Um, I'm comfortable and I'm in my recovery. And I know that, you know, while it is one day at a time, I also have this, you know, this deep internal belief that I'm good. Like the world can throw whatever it wants at me. And I know that sobriety is the best way to tackle it. To not even tackle it, because that's that's a more of a violent theme to it. It's just bring it on, right? It'll wash over me, duck on a water's back. I am good. I can figure it out. But I know that figuring it out sober is way better than it ever could have been trying to figure it out intoxicated. And so a lot of people tend to want to like tiptoe around this idea that you can literally go out and say, I'm good. I will never drink again. It is okay to say that. It is okay to say, I will never use again. It is okay to be confident in the decisions that you've made, to be confident in the program, right, that you have created for yourself. You can take on AA or Refuge or SMART or YPR or whatever it might be, right? But that's just a piece of your sobriety and recovery. What do you really want from your entire existence now that you have stepped into sobriety and recovery, right? You can go and you can do the steps and you can do the the four truths and you can do all that, but you still have to be thinking about the other aspects of your life. What are you doing for your physical growth and for your emotional growth and for your mental growth and for your spiritual growth? And in many ways, if you tie in the AA or the Refuge or whatever program you're in, if you tie those in, then you've probably met someone at AA you go and work out with. And you probably have met people that you might be in a book club with. And there's your mental. And then you you go to the meetings and you discuss your emotions or you have a therapist. And then your spiritual side, you know, there's definitely a God component in AA, whether you want to call him God or your higher power or the universe, whatever you want to call, there's that right? So there are certainly ways to tie all that stuff in, and you should be actively looking to tie all of these things together. But it doesn't always come from just going to the meetings, right? There are other things that you do that step outside of that world that become what it is you desire, where not everything has to revolve around the fact that, hey, I'm sober, See, one of the other motivating factors of this is uh, I'm, I'm bouncing around um, diff- whatever my next book is going to be. And so I'm coming up with different titles and different themes. And one of the titles that I, that I came up with was like, so you're sober, or it's like, great, you're sober. Now what? Right? Because it's like with anything, it's like, great, you graduated college. Now what? 
Great. You, you know, you finally lost that hundred pounds you wanted to lose. Great. Now what? Great. You, you came out of the closet and you're comfortable with your sexuality and you've told everyone that you love and you're, you're embraced. Great. Now what? You know, you uh, came out of the addiction center and you're sober. Great. Now what? Like you can use this with literally anything because it's, that's the way the world sees it. It's like, great. You did it. Okay. Now what? I've got a t-shirt that I, that I like to wear. It says, nobody cares, work harder. And some people have seen that and been like, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a dick t-shirt to be wearing. And, I'm, you know, and I've, I've worn it at the gym. Sometimes I wear it on my lives. It just, I love that because I saw a football player wearing it during a press conference one time. And I was like, you know what? Actually, that's spot on. Nobody really cares. So you either work harder for yourself or you try to work harder for these other people so that you'll get the accolades and the pats on the back, right? I was talking with my therapist today and we went over the fact that there are two kinds of ways that, that people can motivate themselves by um, doing great, by doing good things and, and wanting the accolades or by doing good things to prove to themselves that they always could do these good things. And I am definitely the latter. I definitely do these, uh, do the things that I do to prove to myself that I can do the things I always thought I could do. So when I came up with the title of um, "Great, You're Sober," now what? It really was more of like, okay, well, now what do you want from your sobriety and recovery? Right, like whatever mindset you want to use about whether you will drink again or not, and I've heard people say, "God willing, I won't drink," and if the God graces me, I won't drink. And I've said this on the show before, and I'll say it again: I'm not leaving that up to God. Like I'm all about the universe, and it's it sending me its positive energy and it guiding me where it may. You know, I'm also all about my free will and realizing that when these life events come at you whether they're small or whether they're large, you're the one who chooses how you respond or react. React is emotionally triggered. Respond is emotionally grounded. So, there, so and again, you can say whatever you like to say. I will not step on that. I, again, there are a million ways to get into sobriety and recovery, and whatever way you're using, God bless you. I'm happy for you. I am proud that you are here. I am honored that you are listening to me. So don't ever think that I'm going to step on whatever it is you decide to do. You could tell me that planting flowers in your garden is your preferred program, and every day you go out there and you tend the soil, and I say, hallelujah, hell yeah that you found that out about yourself. But for those of you who maybe are still in that process, and I think we all are in a certain way of figuring out what is it that we want, what is it that we want out of our sobriety and recovery. I mean, first let's get into the mindset aspect of what it is that you could possibly want. And don't don't worry, there's there is a the thesis of this entire thing is no, I'm not going to give that one. You're going to have to wait because I'm really really looking forward to dropping that one on you guys. So let's look at some mindset stuff. Do you generally spend more time thinking about your life than you do actually living it? Okay, do you spend more time worrying about a problem than figuring out the solution? What about spending more time dreaming about the life you want than doing and working toward the life that you want? How about more time watching than participating? More time judging than understanding? More time reflecting than experiencing? Right? These aren't the ways you want to behave if you're going to reach a higher sense of self. 
right? I'm getting ready to launch a self-actualization series on my Instagram where I've got this alphabet A to Z of self-actualization, right? Where you become to, you begin to realize what it is that is going on inside of you, right? If you Google self-actualization, which I did, and the definition reads, the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities, especially considered as a drive or need present in everyone, right? So if you're self-actualized, you have this realization of what it is you desire to fulfill your talents and potentialities, right? And this is considered a driver or need present in everyone. So everybody has this internal driver that says, no, I want more. I expect more from myself. Now, this this want of more and this, this, this push inside of us, this internal driver, for a lot of us, and I'll speak for myself, it was one of the reasons why I succumbed so willingly into sobriety or into addiction. Because I, I had this just intense need to, to prove everything to myself. And it was just, ah, my God, I look back at my high school years and it was just, I mean, I was just, ah, go, go, go. And it didn't help that my, you know, my, my dad definitely, you know, was a spare the rod, spoil the child kind of guy. So up until I got into high school and I started getting grounded, I wrote home a, anything worse than a A minus and here came the switch or the belt, right? And so there was just, just go, 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 go. So as we settle in, to our sobriety and our addiction recovery, right? And we really begin to ground ourselves and become whole and realize that we are worthy and that there is a wholeness that can only be found inside, right? I want to go through the self-actualization alphabet of A to Z that I've discovered for for those of us in this, you know, sobriety and recovery world. And again, they'll work for anyone. It's not like this is only for us, right? But the reason I went off on that little diatribe is because... When we start to think about what it is that we want and we desire for our lives, and if we're doing all of those things I just mentioned, more time worrying or dreaming or watching or judging than we do looking for the solution or doing or participating, understanding or experiencing, right? You have to start asking yourself, what is it that you really want and desire from your sobriety and recovery? Because you're going to have to go out there and get it for yourself, And not at the expense of other people. There's enough room on this planet for all of us to survive, for all of us to thrive, for all of us to succeed. Right? What do we talk about during this pandemic, right? We don't just want to survive. We want to thrive and we want to succeed. There's enough room on this planet for all of us, not just to survive, but to thrive and succeed. So what when you're sitting there and you're listening to this in your car or wherever you're at, before I go over what need, wants, and desires are and really break those down, when you start asking yourself, what is it you that you need, want, or desire out of this next level of yourself, this newer version of yourself? And I've got a whole slew of stuff I could talk about when it comes to right the crippling anxiety or stress that can come from trying to reach your potentialities. That's for another episode because I know that it exists in all of us, right? Just like suffering exists in all of us, and that's how addiction took over, right? There's also this, it can be, 
this uh, anxiety and stress that comes from from really putting the weight of the potential you believe you hold inside, putting that weight upon yourself to release it into the world and to achieve what you have thought about achieving since you were a little kid. So as you're listening to this and you're thinking about what it is that you want and desire out of your sobriety and recovery, I want you to go back to your childhood. Now, it may not have been ideal for a lot of you. There may have been some trauma in there. So if that is the case, then let's play some make-believe and let's just daydream that life as a child was ideal. Surely you have seen it in a movie, a TV show, or in your real life, and you can say, wow, that's, that was probably an ideal childhood, right? So let's just imagine, if you will, that for a moment, right? Because I really just want you to get back into that childlike enthusiasm we all had until an adult snuffed it out. <laughs> I mean, you think about child falls down a million times while they're learning to walk and keeps getting back up, dances around the house like they don't even care if who's watching until an adult tells them, you know, don't dance like that, you you're, you're, you look gay, which is one of my dad's favorite things to have said to me when I was a child. Don't sing like that, you sound gay. Don't behave like that, you're acting gay. Is very much anytime I tried to show it any of that showmanship, he liked to snuff it out. So, Release that trauma and step into an ideal childhood, right? I've done this. You will do this with me now. And ask yourself, what would you do if you didn't care about being judged? What would you want if you didn't know any better? Like, what would, if you just didn't know any better, like you did when you were a kid, you'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut. You wanted to be a dinosaur wrangler. You just didn't know any better. Right? You didn't know that there was going to be 20 years of college in order to even get into the, the right environment to become an astronaut. You didn't probably maybe know that there was no more T-Rexes. You just didn't know any better. And that was okay. You lived in this beautiful, naive world, right? What if you just lived with a smile and laughter as your fuel? If you could play all day and act like that was work, right? What would you want to do then? What would be your passion, your hobbies? What would keep you up at night with giddiness just with anticipation, and what would get you springing out of bed in the morning, right? We, we, we look at our lives through this adult lens so much that we forget that there was a time when we were just a child, and we just wanted this ridiculous stuff, and, and, and it, it didn't seem ridiculous to us, only to the adults who realized, well, that's going to cost a lot of money, or that's going to take a lot of time, and then they slowly started snuffing it out. Maybe because they were your provider and they didn't have that kind of money. Or maybe because they never put that kind of time, attention, and effort into what it is you want. So they think that it's not possible. A lot of the people that we love, in order to keep us quote-unquote safe and away from disappointment and discouragement, will slowly just sort of drop these little little breadcrumbs, these little seeds, these little pokes that what you desire out of your life isn't possible. Because they would rather you not try and then realize that it, that it was more difficult and then perhaps fail or quit or be judged or mocked, whatever whatever they conjure up in their heads. They want to protect you from that. They have an ulterior motive to saying, yeah, I don't know if you should try that career. That sounds really tough, right? Meanwhile, all you're looking for is just, you know, maybe some energy thrown your way that says, hey, if you want to go for it, it's going to, you know, it's going to take whatever it takes, but you go do that and I'll be here to support you. So think about what it is you want out of your sobriety and recovery. If it was only you who had to worry about what the decision was and you didn't worry about judgment, 
right? And as we get deeper into this conversation today, I really want you to just release all of these kind of judgments that you felt upon you about the things that you wanted and realize that back when you were using, you lost a bit of your voice, if not all of it, because you were just trying to sort of hope not to piss everybody off so bad that they kicked you out of the house or cut you off or whatever the negative was, right? But now you're this new version of yourself and you're you're getting your voice back. And part of that getting of your voice back, in my eyes, is deciding what it is you want out of your sobriety and recovery and then going for that, regardless if you only have an hour a week to put toward it because you've got a job and the kids and the mortgage and the husband or the wife, right? You find a way. You all, people who want to prioritize something will find a way. All right. Now, we've discussed what it is that you want. And I've thrown out the word need, and I've thrown out the word desire. So we have these needs, we have these wants, and we have these desires. All right. And I think it's really important that we go over what it is the difference between those. Okay. Because a lot of the times we're using these interchangeably and they're not necessarily interchangeable. In fact, some people would say that they're not at all, it is not possible for these needs, wants, and desires to be interchangeable. And when I go over them, you'll begin to understand why some people really will argue that one all the way to the top of the hill. Um, I will also side with the fact that needs, wants, and desires are not the same, um, but I'm not ever going to say that it's a definitive. It will never be a need, want, and desire is the same. Okay, it's just... Let me go over them real fast, and then we'll touch upon that again, okay? So what have I told you, first and foremost, that whatever it is that you need, want, and desire is already in your possession, right? Before we get too deep into this, think about that for a moment. Whatever you need, want, and desire, quite possibly, you already have. So why is it then when I ask people what they want, they often don't even consider what they already have? Think about this from a bird's eye view. Is there something that you have that if I took it away from you right now, this second, that you would go to the ends of the earth to attain again? Then why isn't that on your list of things that you want? Why aren't the things on your needs list given their moment of gratitude and humility on a daily basis? Right? And this is the big thesis. This is the big fire point that I wanted to bring out. Is it why is it that when I ask people what they need, want, or desire, they don't even notice that oftentimes they already possess it? Oh, I know. Now you're excited about figuring out what needs, wants, and desires are so that you can fully understand if you already possess it. I know, I know. Whenever I first started to to read about this and come up with this theory and and, and bring this thesis to you all today, it got me super pumped. I've been chomping at the bit to discuss this topic for quite some time, and it just finally seemed right. So see, often, so first, needs. Often we think we need something, right? Oh my God, I need to have the pair of shoes. I need to have this. I need to have that. If you're starting to look at things uh, that you can buy at a store, um, you know, I need that jacket. I need those shoes. I need that car. Those aren't needs. Your needs are air, water, food, shelter, warmth. Now, there are various different lists. If you Google what are what are basic human needs, uh, Tony Robbins says there's certainty, significance, variety, love and connection, growth and contribution. 
and that each one of those influences our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. I've discussed that before. I believe it was in episode three, long time ago. Um, I've brought up (laughs) thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions so many times based off the life coaching model that Brooke Castillo popularized that I have discussed so many times that anybody who's listened to this show for any manner of time has certainly heard circumstances trigger thoughts, which cause feelings, which drive actions, which create results, and which all go back up to the original circumstance, and they anchor a certain kind of uh, mindset around what you just went through, Okay. Other people, if you Google this, you'll, you'll see food, water, shelter, sleep, connection, and novelty. Basically, novelty is just, um, it, again, I Googled it. It said it creates the opportunity to learn and the potential to fail, which stimulates dopamine releases in the brain. Without regular novelty, motivation wanes and a healthy sense of well-being is lost. Basically, that's just, that's just saying that there's a part of you that really just needs, um, like, challenge, right? It's challenge. So let's get to wants because this is, you know, those were needs and this is, this is just right. I mean, right already you're like, okay. I mean, you know, it's like some people will say, well, I need that. It's like, would you really die if you didn't have that right now? Like if you really need air and water and food <laughs> and shelter, let's throw you in a life raft in the middle of the ocean and tell me what you need then. <laughs> I highly doubt it's going to be a Louis Vuitton bag or a big screen TV, right? So when you think of a need, you're looking at the basic things for survival, right? That will, you know, this is one of the reasons why um, connection and novelty and um, a lot of times whenever you really look at like the the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, the higher you get up there, the more you can start looking at things like um, connection and your feelings and novelty and things of that nature because you've already secured your food, water, shelter, and warmth, right? You're stuck on a desert island somewhere. Yeah, at some point, you're really going to desire connection, right? Or you're going to end up talking to a a volleyball for the next four years. But ultimately, when you first end up on that island stuck and stranded, you're looking for water, food, shelter, warmth, right? When you've gotten those things locked down, you can actually get somewhat of some of a good night's sleep until you wake up and realize you're stuck on a desert island. <laughs> and then you're so happy that FedEx packages show up that so you can talk to a volleyball for the next hour and a half. Um, all right, let's discuss what it is that we think we want. To me, uh, a want is something that people desire to have that they may or may not be able to obtain. Okay, when you Google uh, the difference between wants and needs, you see all this convoluted stuff, and it's not a clear thing. So this is my own idealization of what a want is. It's something that people desire to have that may or may not be able to attain. So you might want that Louis Vuitton bag, or you might want that brand new TV, or you have a desire to possess or do something or wish for something. Right, a lot of people they'll say they need it. You know, oh, you know, I really want Chick Fil A sandwich. Right? Okay, you that is a, that is the want because you probably have some sort of food in your house already. You just specifically want Chick Fil A, and they are not sponsored by this show. They do not sponsor me, so just uh, just Chick Fil A. I really liked their food a long time ago. Um, also, what I want, um, my ego might lose its shiat if I do not obtain this asap. Right? There are certain times you watch a kid, they want something, they will throw a temper tantrum for it. Right? Oftentimes what we want is very easily obtainable with currency through a, through a, through a money transaction. 
right? And the reason why I say that, some people might say, well, the reason I say that, while others might say, well, Jesse, I can want stronger body. I can want enlightenment. I can want a better sense of spirituality. Now let's get into desires, all right? When we actually desire something, a desire to me is when we want something that goes beyond our regular means and our current resources. It can also be when I desire something that is more about the ability to be able to provide that for myself, which I believe I cannot currently. Like I might desire um, a better car, right? But it's not something I necessarily can have this moment because I have not financially prepared for it. Some people are like, well, I want a new car. Well, if you really want it, then you'd already be saving money for it and you'd already be coming up with a strategy and a plan. If you desire something, then it goes beyond the ego. And it's like, well, I desire to have a nicer car so that I can you know, get places in safety and know that my family will be safe inside of it. Right? Whereas I feel like if you're like, I want a Lamborghini, yeah, it might be a little bit more ego-driven. And this is where it gets super murky, guys. Because needs are very specific. Whereas wants and desires, that's where it starts to get a little bit more. So I really want you to start to ask yourself, what do you think a want is? Google about for a second. What do you think a desire is? See, another one of my beliefs, or you know, this is, this is again my opinion, but something else that I believe in is that when I desire something, I can release my ego from or as the causation of the motivation to acquire this thing that I desire, right? So whatever it is, I might have my eye, my mind, my heart, my energy focused upon. If I desire it, by saying that I desire uh, spiritual enlightenment, I desire self-actualization, I have this ability to release my ego from it. Because it's not like, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Like that little, like that little blue girl, was her name, Veruca Salt? And um, in the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, right? She wanted she wanted the the candy or whatever, and it turned her into a big blueberry. I want, I want, I want, I want, right? To desire something, right? Like a lot of times, people say that they they desire another person in their life, right? It, it's it's like it becomes this deep, just this feeling, this intensity inside. Like I am going to work my ass off to make this happen. And if you do it in a healthy way, right, then it becomes something that grows you and and and, and brings you up, right? You, you become more realized, more actualized. If you take this desire and you turn it the wrong way, it becomes obsession. It can become addiction. It become you know just this just this singular focused mind. You know, think about any movie where. Um, a male or a female becomes stalkery and just psychotic towards another individual. That's somebody who took this this want desire and just pushed it to obsession and psychoticness, psychosis even. Right? Whereas if you use it on a healthy side, this desire becomes this passion of yours. It becomes this internal fire. And a passion that you do something f- when you do something for yourself to fire yourself up, that's a passion. When you do something to um, make the world a better place, to contribute to your tribe, to contribute to your society, to make a connection with other humans, that's where purpose comes in. I could do a whole episode on passion and purpose, and now that I thought about it, I probably should, right? So you've got this 
passion inside of you. My passion is to learn more about the human brain, learn more about the human body, understand my physical, uh, the physical connection between my mind, body, and spirit, understand my emotional intelligence better and what, what causes the brain to learn and, and dream and, and remember and just grow. And what about the, the emotional f- feeling side? You know, I've been disconnected from my emotions for so long. I want to get connected to them. I want to be more grounded in, in who I am and the spiritual aspect. I love talking about the universe and the energy and how, you know, nothing can be, how can something be created from nothing, right? And so when I, those are my, I mean, these are the passions, right? And I've discovered and I've begun to use my passions as my purpose. So now I've got a duality because of my passion is also my purpose. Learn these things, you know, organize it the way I organize it in my brain and send it out there to y'all. And those who it resonates with will come back for more. And those who it doesn't will go find somebody who resonates with them. And that's the beauty of the world is that everyone can thrive and succeed because we're all going to resonate with different people. So now that you have a better idea of a need, want, and desire, and again, it, it can be very murky with the wants and the desires, right? But to me, a desire, I'm able to release my ego. I desire these things that are, that, that are beyond um, a, a credit card or cash money, right? Like my dad loved to show his love with any, anything that came with a receipt. He, that's how he would show his love. Where I desired... Okay, here's a good example. Dad would bring home Nintendo games when the 8-bit came out. And he, you know, and I'd want the new Mario Brothers. I would want the new X, um, Excite Bike. I would want the new football game. What I desired from him was for him to come to my baseball games, for him to come to my school plays, for him to pat me on the back and say that he was proud of me and that I did a good job. And hey, why don't we go get some ice cream? I desired for him to show me his love in a way that a credit card could not do. So when you want to think about a desire, what is it? That's a desire. To me, that is a desire. Desiring, you know, something that just cannot be found at a store. Right? Not in the normal sense of grocery stores and things like that. I mean, even, you know, desiring a gold necklace for Valentine's Day. It's more, oh, I really I really want that. You know, I really want that gold necklace. The desire from getting the gold necklace from your husband or wife, I would say, comes from wanting the desire to know that you're safe and that you're loved and that you are cared for and that this person is with you through thick and thin, right? You can show a desire by giving a want, and you can want something that will, in your mind, prove a desire. But really, you could just give somebody a, a dandelion and say, you know, I'll be there with you thick and thin. And that alone could prove the desire and show you the safety and the love and the connection that you, you know, you desire. I'm throwing around the word desire a lot here. <laughs> it's The issue is that we don't often understand the difference between the need, want, and desire. And I do hope that I've been able to give you some clarity into that now because it's to me it's just important that you have this opportunity to really ask yourself is what it you are asking for it from yourself is it a need want or desire and I had a whole nother section I was going to go into about perceptual adaptation and hedonic adaptation but I'll, I'll as a skip over those due to time what I will say 
is that I'll bring those back up on Thursday at the sober sessions, is that um, our minds are built to get used to stuff. So one of the reasons that we go off and we buy things expecting them to make our, ourselves happy is that our brains just get used to things positive or negative. It's how we were able to stay in addiction for so long. At some point, we just got used to it. It just became the a normal for us. So much so that the idea of getting sober rocked our world because of this perceptual adaptation. We were just so used to the, the cycle of hangover, detox, somewhat healthy, kind of healthy, a little bit better healthy. Okay, we're healthy. Oh, let's do it all over again. And this could all happen in a week. So come back on Thursday, go register for Sober Sessions, and we'll talk more about perceptual adaptation and hedonic adaptation because they're absolutely fascinating in regards to how they, our mind sees our needs, wants, and desires. And one of the reasons why having gratitude for uh, food, water, shelter, and warmth is something that we can often just forget. Unless you put in a daily practice of being grateful for your home and for a fridge full of food and for your car and for these these things that you have, right? Like, I mean, oxygen, right? It's easy to not have gratitude for that. It's around everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, clean water, you know, uh, running water in your house when, you know, half the world is is got disgusting water, you know, around them if, and doesn't even have indoor plumbing. Uh, food. Let's I mean, get me started on how much of the planet's starving, even though we as a species have never produced more food per capita in the history of our entire civilizations. Um, and then, of course, warmth, right? You know, I don't know if you ever slept out camping and woken up and only had one blanket and wish you had five. You know what it's like to need those things. So let's go back to where it was when we started all this. And now that we've gone over these needs, wants, and desires, I really want you to ask yourself, you know, where do you see a difference in your mindset now than you did 37 some odd minutes ago, right? You can ask yourself, okay, you needed to get sober, right? Like, but was it really a need? It was something that you wanted. You need those basic elements I talked about. You wanted sobriety. You see, I believe that I desired to be sober since I was in college back at 18 all the way on. It didn't become a real want until that last year or two when I finally realized that it was breaking my body down and that death was coming for me, right? But it was like, yeah, I, I desire to, to drink less. But when it became a want, then it became much more fervent inside of me. Then it became like I could, I could hear the voice a lot more saying, Jesse, Jesse. You really got to stop doing this to yourself, dude. Oh my God, another hangover that's going to take you seven days to recover from, right? Then it got to need that last. I know I've said need is air, water, food, shelter, warmth, right? But come on. I think by the time you wake up in your bathtub day after day after day for about six months straight, it seriously became a need. My survival depended on it. And that alone right there can shift sobriety, getting into it from a want to a need. If your very survival depends on it, then you need it right then and there. And all of our rock bottoms look differently, but rock bottom to me is really just just, just the idea of sobriety turning from a want to an absolute need. Where it's like, that's it. There's no other option. There's no other choice. I have to do this for myself right now. So now... 
I want you to ask yourself, what do you want out of your sobriety recovery? And what do you desire about out of your sobriety and recovery? When we really ask ourselves what we desire out of our sobriety, then we can start laying down a strategy to obtain it. Right? It's not bad to think about the future. It's not bad to have a plan. It is bad to become so beholden to that plan that you lack any kind of flexibility to roll with the bounces, to roll with the punches. Like this rigidity that comes from wanting to stick to a plan so... Right? This rigidity can bring about anxiety, it can bring about stress, it can bring about inner turmoil. And when that rears its ugly head from inside your mind, from inside your body, and it comes out into the real world, that can have devastating effects. That's when you see disease and illness that, that from those years of stress and anxiety turn into a cancer or a Crohn's or whatever disease I don't know to say, but I could here. I just know cancer and Crohn's. Crohn's got my mom, and I know stress and anxiety was the precursor to that. Or whenever this anxiety, stress, and inner turmoil comes out, that's when you lash out at other people, and that's when you become emotionally triggered, and, you, and you're no longer coming from this an emotionally grounded response, but you're coming from an emotionally triggered reaction. Right? This is, these are the kind of things that will happen when you're holding on to a plan too tightly. So be flexible in the plan. And understand that things are going to go back and forth, up and down. There's an ebb and flow to sobriety and recovery. It's not sobriety that sucks. It's just life that can be a bit of a bummer sometimes. Bad things happen. We're human. We have to deal with major life events, major traumas, death and accidents and the like. All right, but if you're not part of the planning, then who is? Right? If your ego is so fragile that anytime you don't get to your perceived destination, you don't, um, your plan doesn't go according the way you'd like, uh, whatever the event might look like, just think of any time where things didn't go exactly the way you wanted. If your ego is so fragile that when that goes down, that you lose your shiat, then you got to mm, turn on a switch and realize that everything isn't going to go the way that you desire all the time. But you just figure out a new way to continue toward that destination because, right, it's all about this journey, right? Sobriety recovery is life-term, not long-term. Learn that little awesome tidbit from someone who I'll have on the show here soon. Um, Sobriety recovery is life-term and not long-term. So going into it, knowing that, then you are more flexible. You're able to better handle situations that don't go the way that you thought they would, right? When you need something and it doesn't look the way you thought, you can roll with that. When you want something, you can roll with it. When you desire something, you can roll with it with flexibility. Going back to the original statement that I made, because a lot of people have this thing where they, heaven forbid, they say or do anything that it might even remotely cause backlash from the community over Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, you want, you know, you want this, that, or the other. You should just want to be sober and you should just be happy being sober every day. And how dare you say anything otherwise? If you are not part of the planning and the acting upon your desires and your wants for your sobriety and recovery, then you're just along for the ride, right? You've given up your voice again to someone else 
Because if you're not planning your life, someone else is. If nothing else, life will just continue to plan it. You'll stay in that dead-end job. You'll, you'll still have bratty kids. You'll still be underwater in your mortgage. Your, your bank account will still be paycheck to paycheck. You have to decide what it is you want and desire out of your sobriety and recovery and then step into that and not get yourself too worked up about the, the journey length and the destination being what you wanted it to and the expectations that your loved ones have around you being sober and the expectations you've leveled upon yourself being sober. I've come up with like four new episodes just in this conversation with you. As I roll out of here on this, and I think I've left you with a lot of things to think about, I could have broken this up into two different episodes, is that I want you to take your voice back. I want you to decide what you want your sobriety and recovery to look like. I, like as I said in the beginning, will never tell you that the way you're doing your recovery is wrong, that my way is the only way. I will never, ever, ever say that because that is ridiculous. That is egotistical. That is immature. And if somebody tells you how to do your sobriety and recovery and you say, well, what about this way? They're like, no, you do it this way. And this is the only way. It's not the only way. I'm not saying fight against your sponsor. I'm not saying fight against your mentor. I'm not saying fight against your therapist. But I do believe that it's very beneficial to have somebody who has more of a flexible mindset. Now, if you're saying, well, I want to do it this way over the way you just told me, Mr. Sponsor or Mrs. Sponsor, and you're doing that to be lazy and to get and to get out of doing the hard work, no, that's not... That's not the way it goes. We have to do the hard work. You got to get down in there and you got to start figuring out your traumas and you got to make amends and you got to do the personal inventory. You got to do this stuff, guys, right? But if the idea that you're bringing to the table isn't an excuse to get out of doing the hard work, but rather just a reason that you think you would like to do it a different way, then bring that to this table and use those kind of words. I'm not making an excuse for the hard work. I will do that. I just have this blank reason for why I think it'd be cool if I could do it this way. I want you to have your voice back because when we were struggling in addiction and we were in the depths of despair, we gave our voice up. Addiction had control. And if it wasn't the one in charge of our voice, then it was our parents, our siblings, our spouse, our kids. And the decisions we were making were based off of their needs, wants, and desires, and not ours. And it's important that you understand that, yes, there are people that are along for the ride in your life, your 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 spouse, your partner, or your children, right? This isn't a, this isn't a, uh, a episode about a really great way to bail on all of that and go to Maui for the rest of your life, right? You've got to hold on to those responsibilities and be there for those people that love you and that you love and that, that, that are, you know, looking for you for that safety, that love, that connection, those basic human needs that we talked about 20 minutes ago. But it doesn't mean that when you come out of so addiction into sobriety that you necessarily have to squash the amazing ideas you have for what you want. If you want a new career, if you want a new body, if you want a new uh, emotional intelligence, if you want a new mental acuity, if you want a new spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment, then you say that and you tell the ones that love you the most, this is what you desire to prioritize now. And you come up with a solution that works for everyone so that you can fulfill your highest purpose. And at the same time, you can be there for those people that you love. 
I'm going to let you out of here on this because I've kept you long enough and I'm so grateful that you've stuck around this long. I do so hope that you have found the um, the message that's in this for you is that we all have things that we want and we desire from life and they can oftentimes seem so, so, so far away. And one of my favorite ways to realize how far I've come and how much I've already achieved is to just stop and write down the things that I've just achieved in the place places I've been since I got sober. Whether it's writing a book or launching two podcasts or getting you know a really great body or calling old friends or just being a more emotionally stable so I don't have to drink away my sorrow and snort away my pain, right? Like time is going to move forward regardless of how much energy we're putting into our lives. Wouldn't you like to be able to look back in a day, a month, a week, a year, five years, a decade, you know, that crazy, what is your five-year plan? Wouldn't you like to be able to look back five years from now and say the plans I laid out in 2020 have now come to fruition? When I think about Marcus in Jersey, who's working at the Home Depot so that he can go back to school, you know, when when I when I think about Justine in Louisville working her ass off to get cords uh, from, you know, going off and getting her masters, you know, when I think about Ethan working his tail off so that he can support his family and get his wife through college, when I think about Melissa who's out there busting her hump in the Pacific Northwest, making sure that she can keep her rescue open and also be paying attention to her sobriety and recovery. When I talk to y'all and I hear your stories, I realize that we all have different things that we want and we all have different desires. And life is moving forward whether we're paying attention to it or not. Wouldn't you like to be able to look back one day and say, not only was I paying attention, but I manifested and now I brought it to fruition. And now I think I'm going to go show somebody else how they can do it for themselves. I am so grateful that you've joined me here today. Please just continue to be splendid and be amazing. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.